Good morning, Illini. As always, I'm your host, Matt Schrock, and I'm glad you're here. Uh, today we have an episode that is going to be difficult to keep in our usual time frame, so much so that we've decided to turn it into a two-part episode. Uh, part one is going to be available today, and part two will be dropping later this week. But today we're talking about grief and loss, and with that, let's start the conversation. Today to help me talk uh, uh, with the discussion on grief and loss, I'm pleased to be joined by my two guests. Uh, first, we have Dr. Lydia Curie. Uh, she has a doctorate in clinical psychology. Uh, she's a clinical associate professor in the Department of Educational Psychology, Division of Counseling Psychology, and she's previously worked on campus at Housing and the Counseling Center. Uh, Dr. Curry, thank you for being here. Happy to be here. I'm also joined by Dr. Jennifer LaPrice. She has a doctorate in microbiology, and she is a clinical psychiatrist here at McKinley Health Center. Dr. LaPrice, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. So uh, humans are an extremely diverse group. And uh, we each have our own unique story, but uh, there are a few experiences that are common across the board. And uh, one of those is grief and loss. At some point, we all experience that on some level. Um, and and uh, so let's start there, because this is the conversation we get into. Uh, at its root, what is grief and what causes us to feel grief? Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, an easy question, right? Sure. On the face of it, I think everybody has an intuitive sense of what grief is or what might what it might be, you know, what, what it might be in relation to. More complicatedly, I suppose it has an intellectual or cognitive part of it where you're thinking about something that's lost and also an emotional part of it, and I would even say a bodily or visceral part of it where you feel loss or feel the absence of something that used to be there but wasn't there anymore. So it's, it's cognitive, intellectual, emotional, and physical. And it's also understood, I would have to say, in a communal way. We have to have others help us understand what in the world grief is. And, you know, uh, oftentimes, well, when I think about it, when I think of grief and loss, I often think uh, it's involved with death. But that's not necessarily the, the only thing it goes with. And I think really in, uh, in the last, what, year and a half now, uh, since March 2020 with the pandemic, with all the, the, everything with COVID, that loss has taken on a, a very... Uh, wide range of things. Uh, it, can, it can be everything from um, the loss of, of opportunity, the loss of, of social and uh, uh, relational, um, just the loss of dreams. And we, we talk about all the time here on campus about you know, the loss of the college experience for some seniors or freshmen incoming. Um, it, it, is this something that, that d does grief affect that the same way as it would if you're talking about death? It, it certainly can. I mean, grief, like, like Lydia said, is, is the, the mourning of a loss. And that loss, it could be a person, it could be an opportunity, all of these things that you just described. And it, it most certainly can be uh, experienced the same way, or it could be experienced differently. Um, people have their own experiences that's okay. It doesn't have to be the same as the person next to you. Um, but the important thing is to be able to understand and support each other through this grieving process. And uh, in talking beforehand, uh, Dr. Curry, you made a comment which I, I thought was important that when we were talking about the pandemic and we were talking about uh, loss there, but you said that, you know, sometimes things that affect one person as a loss doesn't always affect everyone else. Uh, the pandemic was one that some people felt deep loss because of lost opportunity, but other people found, found opportunity or found something that aligned more with who they are. So, you know, just because one person is feeling grief over something doesn't mean someone else is going to feel grief over the same situation, correct? I think that's right, and I think each of us can understand how we're connected to other people and other people's stories. Um, I have high school age 
neighbors who missed out on the typical graduation experience of celebrating with friends and family in their backyards and in person. I know other students who were thrilled to be able to stay home <laughs> on the computer and not have to interact with people. Also, I think we really don't know the complete fallout of the pandemic sure. and how it affected people negatively and positively. We just don't know yet because of time. And for those research geeks out there, we don't have all the data yet. Yeah. And like, like you both said, it, it affects people differently. And uh, so we, we want to talk about that a little bit as we go forward um, as uh, kind of giving voice to, again, everyone reacts differently and that's okay. And that's something we really strongly put, uh, promote here at Healthy Atlanta is that everybody's on their own personal journey. And wherever you are in that journey is okay. And it's important to understand that it is your personal journey and your journey is not gonna look exactly like someone else's all the time. It may look similar at this point, it may look dissimilar at a later point. Um, and that's okay and grief falls under that too. But with that, uh, as we go into how it does affect people, um, there are some commonalities in the stages of grief, if I understand correctly. So would you share a little bit about what, what the stages of grief are and kind of maybe how, how they could manifest themselves? Sure. So typically the, the first response to uh, grief is shock. When you find out that, say, a loved one has passed or an opportunity that you were looking forward to, like, say, for example, graduation is no longer there for you, there's, there's a sense of unreality. Like, is, is this happening? Did I, did I hear you correctly? Am I dreaming? Is this, is this real? And that questioning um, kind of, it, that's the first stage of the grief. And it kind of sets you up for the next part, which might be like, okay, so now this is real. Why is this happening to me? Why, why me? Why, why right now? Why this person? And those feelings can lead into anger. Anger at the situation, anger at yourself, anger at the world, even, for example, anger at the person who passed. If only they had taken their medications, if only they had taken care of themselves better, if only they had reached out for help, for example. Um, and anger is really an easier emotion for most people to deal with than pain, sadness, and loss. And the anger is an easier thing for people to recognize than sadness. And so that kind of sets you up for the transition then from that stage into the next stage, which is the, the grieving process, the sadness part, which is really the most uh, vulnerable part of the grieving process for most people. This is where they, they risk falling into a major depressive episode, thinking that life maybe isn't worth living, um, that uh, this process can also last for an extended period of time, years. Grief doesn't doesn't end. You don't just suddenly wake up one day and it's like, you know what? I don't miss grandpa anymore. I'm, I'm over this grief process. Now, that's not how this works. Uh, so it's, it, it should be understood and accepted that the sadness part of the grieving process is going to be prolonged. What differentiates it from depression though, is that there are still positive thoughts. There's still, you still think happy thoughts, happy memories. You can still experience joy, pleasure, and enjoy being with other people. That, those are the big things that really distinguish grief, which otherwise has a lot of features common with depression, from depression. Sometimes in terms of distinguishing grief from depression or the sadness associated with grief from depression, I'll use a metaphor. If you feel like you're moving through a vat of molasses in an ongoing way, you're probably experiencing a depression. And as we know also, there's all kinds of different depressions 
Um, people could have been depressed and then experience a loss, and then it gets confusing and complicated. What am I feeling? Um, or people could have been, like you were talking about, Jennifer, that lives were going along well, they have a loss, and then they have this experience like, what am I experiencing? Is that grief? And sometimes checking it out with friends or family or even a professional, like, yes, what you are experiencing seems like grief and it seems quote-unquote normal. Um, it can be validating for people. Um, I've had people ask me, like, am I over it? Am I not over it? Should I be over it? Should I not be over it? Um, and that other person, whoever that is, can help validate your reality. Absolutely. That can also bring an another challenge in that there, there can be, you're going through the, the stages of grief and, and, and the anger and the sadness and all those things, but then there can also be sometimes guilt that comes because we wonder if we're doing it, if we're grieving the right way. Um, we see someone else who's really upset, same situation. Um, let's say, for instance, there's a family that has a situation they go through, whether it be a loss of a loved one or a loss of an opportunity, and you have one person in the family who's very, very distraught and very, very upset, and one person who is not as much, and then you have, well, am I not grieving the right because I'm not like that person? Or somebody who is grieving has those positive thoughts, well, maybe I'm, that's not right, I should be grieving, I should be sad all the time, I don't need yeah. that. Or, you know, or some people who say that, you know, being sad is a sign of weakness. There's all these things that go into it. Is that part of it, too, in that, that it's not just being in the different stages at different times, but also how you approach each stage or how each stage affects you in that moment? Can I jump in there with a bit of a caveat? Yeah, go ahead. Um, and you can disagree or say what you think about this. I'm not so sure there are really hard and fast stages. And so I think that uh, your comment about that initial, this can't be true, I think that's pretty common. But people will move through grief or experience things very differently. And so, so I think there got to a point where people were anxious, kind of going back what you were saying, Matt, I'm not experiencing grief, my grieving process, in the same way that Kubler-Ross described it. Like, I didn't hit the anchor stage, there must be something wrong with me. And so I think you think about it as, an ex as experience, um, maybe with a little bit of structure over time, but most of the research on grief now says eh, that's not so sharp in terms of these stages. But I know sort of from a point of view of just thinking about grief generally, like it really helps to think about the five stages of grief. But I would be careful not to use that as something scientific and saying this is how people must experience grief. So take it as you will. Well, that comes back to, like we said, it, it's, it's a very personal uh, journey. It's a very personal experience through all of it. And, and there's a lot of factors that go, uh, go into that. I've heard both of you say um, of what, what the situation was, what the loss was, where you are, how you respond to it, uh, those types of things. Um, and so, again, the responses can be very individual, individualistic as well. Uh, I do want to, uh, real quick, I know we don't have a ton of time, so I, I could go, into deep, uh, go deeply into a lot of things, but I want to come back to um, the, the, how do you distinguish between this is something that I, I'm going through the grieving process and I'm, I'm doing, I'm going through it and I'm okay by myself or I'm, I'm feeling okay or I need to reach out to somebody because it's, it's overwhelming me. Um, is there, is there a, any kind of indicator between those two kind of situations? We're just talking, 
indicator between those two situations where talking to the people around you is, is helping or I need to talk to a, a healthcare professional? Is, is there some, is, are there signs? Are there more, are there things that, that say, you know what, this is the step I need to take? So first of all, there's not a right or a wrong way to grieve. So whether you prefer to grieve as part of a collective or individually, that's okay. When it starts becoming concerning is when you're having thoughts that you are overwhelmed by your sadness. You're having difficulty taking care of yourself. You're not getting up and feeding yourself. You're not showering. You're not taking care of your children or your pets. This is when it starts becoming concerning for something more serious like major depression. Um, another, uh, probably the most serious concern is when you start thinking, life just isn't worth living anymore. Maybe the world would be better off without me in it. That is like a hard and fast rule, go start seeing somebody for help at that point. And whether it's you as an individual or as a close friend or loved one, take that person in for help. Whether it be uh, making an appointment with a therapist, making an appointment with a psychiatrist, or even going to the emergency room if those thoughts are imminent. And then we do have uh, re uh, resources and links in our episode description. Uh, we will have links for uh, McKinley Health Center. We have resources for the Counseling Center, some other places. And of course, if it is that type of emergency, 911, of course, uh, make that call. Um, but if someone does decide they want to reach out to a healthcare professional and they want to talk to somebody, what uh, if you just kind of give a, just a basic overview of what that initial conversation might be like or what they might expect in that? Because that's a little, it's, it's intimidating. Uh, to go to any healthcare professional, no matter what it is. Um, but if you're talking about someone who's a counselor or a mental health type thing, that can be intimidating. Um, and I, I say that somebody who, who, who sees a therapist, uh, who has done that in my life at various points uh, for various things, um, it's still intimidating anytime you go talk to somebody new about that. So what's something they can expect on that? So from a, a psychiatric standpoint, our initial intakes are uh, generally anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour. Um, we talk about your symptoms, uh, how long you've been experiencing them, how they've been affecting you, how long you've been having them, what kinds of treatments you've tried, have you ever been hospitalized. Um, so we, we really deeply explore that, that mental health background. But because we're also physicians, we explore your physical background as well. Do you have any medical conditions? Do you have any allergies? Do you have anything that we need to be aware of as far as, uh, you know, uh, hospitalizations or, uh, like, organ dysfunction. Uh, we look at basic things like sleep, appetite. We'll often do some blood work to see if there's any underlying medical reasons that may be contributing to how you're feeling. Um, and then at the end of that, we come up with a diagnosis. And usually, in the way I like to practice is a collaborative approach. I'll say, OK, so for example, you have a depression diagnosis. Here are your medication options. Here are all the antidepressants. Here are the side effects for each of these antidepressants. We'll discuss it together and we'll come up with a treatment plan together. And medication maybe isn't always the right option. Sometimes therapy might be a better option. Sometimes just dealing with some of the, the outside factors, like are you getting enough sleep? Are you getting enough nutrition? Are you taking care of yourself? Um, sometimes those are enough and medication are not always warranted. I appreciate your discussion of that, Jennifer. I think a lot of folks are a little confused about what psychiatry is and what psychology or psychotherapy is. And psychiatrists in our state are the only professionals, as I understand it, I mean, yes, nurse practitioners, what have you, who can prescribe psychotropic medications. Psychologists like myself cannot. Social workers cannot. Mental health, master's mental health clinicians cannot prescribe medication. 
So I take a psychotherapy approach, um, and then I may refer someone to psychiatry for medication evaluation. But overall, if you think about the mental, the emotional, and the physical well-being of a person, any good clinician will have those in mind. And there are other folks who are, will be attentive to spiritual dimensions of well-being. Um, and then if you really blow it up to that wellness model, um, there's other things to consider. So we're also talking, we are talking about an intervention perspective. There are also preventative things um, that are important for people to engage in um, that can be helpful. And that, I, I appreciate you both brought that up because for some people, uh, uh, therapy instantly means medication. In their mind, that's what it is. That's, 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 no, no, afraid, no, 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 no. They're afraid of that. I don't want to go because I don't want to. You know, I don't want medication. Yeah. That's not the case. And and you're right. You know, there is um, walking alongside someone who's going through the grieving process. There's also you know being prepared for type situations. And so there's all sorts of reasons to reach out to health professionals, um, to psychologists and, and psychiatrists, and just to start the conversation and these types of things. Mm -hmm. And so we we really, I, I really encourage as someone who has benefited from it in my own life. Um, I encourage anyone who's listening, who, who's curious, to reach out and have the conversation. Um, it's, just, it's just starting the conversation just to be, uh, have a better understanding of what the, what's available, what it entails, that sort of thing. Uh, we're going to pause there, and we're going to end part one for our, our discussion on grief and loss. Uh, as I said earlier, we've got, uh, we've got a second part coming later this week. But uh, thank you, Dr. Curry, and thank you, Dr. LaPriest, uh, for being here. And I look forward to continuing our conversation. So do I. Thank you. Thank you. Most of us will experience grief and loss at some point in our lives. It's important to address this and talk about how it affects us. Uh, if you're listening and you want to continue the conversation or ask questions, you can find links to contact us and other resources in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you and be sure to check out part two as we continue the conversation ourselves. But thank you for joining us today. You are on a personal journey no matter where you are in it. You are important. You matter. Your health and wellness are important and matter. And we are here to keep you well to excel. Go have a great week, Illini. Let us know how you're doing. And we'll catch you next time on Healthy Illini. Good morning, Illini. I'm Matt Schrock, and I'm happy to welcome you back for a special episode of Healthy Illini. Today is part two of our conversation about grief and loss. If you didn't catch part one, I encourage you to pause this episode, go back and listen to that one, and then rejoin us here. But either way, I'm glad you're here, and let's jump back into the discussion. Again, I'm joined today by our two special guests, uh, Dr. Lydia Khoury. Uh, she has a doctorate in clinical psychology, a clinical... Try it again. I mean, that far before I screwed up. That's pretty good. Yeah. Usually I do like 10 takes at the beginning. Once again, I'm joined today by our two special guests. Uh, I would like to welcome Dr. Lydia Khoury. She's a doctorate in clinical psychology. She's a clinical associate professor in the Department of Educational Psychology, Division of Counseling Psychology. And she's previously worked on campus at Housing and Counseling Center. Dr. Khoury, thank you for joining us again. I'm happy to be here again. And also Dr. Jennifer LaPriest. She has a doctorate in microbiology, and she's a clinical psychiatrist here at McKinley Health Center. Dr. LaPriest, thank you for being here again. Thank you. Okay, so in our, in our previous episode, we, we talked a lot about what grief is. We talked about the stages of grief, some signs to look for, uh, and what to expect if you talk to a healthcare professional. But I want to pick back up, uh, starting with personal grief, 
Um, and, and we've talked about the, the, the stages and things like the grieving process, but you both mentioned that the grieving process is important when there's been a loss, whether that loss is uh, a death or we talked about with, with uh, the pandemic, the loss of opportunity, the loss of experiences like college experience or high school graduations, things like that, or just the loss of, of your regular social interactions. You know, you couldn't just go out with friends anymore. Uh, and if you were feeling that loss, if you were feeling that that uh, struggle, why was why is going through the grieving process so important? I think we are built as humans to identify what we're experiencing emotionally. Um, and you know, there's a whole bunch of research behind what emotions do for us, but just on an intuitive level, um, if we stuff our feelings, um, they're gonna come back and bite us. And I do wanna say there are a lot of caveats around that because once, or individuals experience their emotional lives differently, and there are also cultural mores that shape how people communicate their emotional experiences. So you may have one person who, I mean, I'm thinking about my own culture and some of the traditional cultures related to my old culture. There are professional mourners who will wail and do all that grieving in a public way so that people can experience that vicariously and have this public acknowledgement of a very expressive kind of grief. There are other cultures where you don't speak of loss, but you orient yourselves around a celebratory process, which implicitly acknowledges the loss. So there's a whole lot of different ways to do it. The importance, I think, is to acknowledge the experience. Even, you know, you, you lost the opportunity to go on an internship. You lost your pet. I cried for an hour when my cat died. That may be minimal compared to what a lot of people feel, but I felt it very, very deeply. The point is being able to express it in communion with others or yourself even. Um, there's something about being able to do that that just lets you move through life and be open to other experience and not stuck with grief. And to add to that, I mean, really grieving is a loss of self. Like you have a giving yourself, you have attached a part of yourself to this thing that is lost, whether it be yeah. a cat, a relative, you know, an experience. You have vested yourself into that. And by losing that, you've lost part of yourself. And that's where that pain comes from. And that's why it's important to acknowledge that and to experience it. That makes total sense. And I think when you think about grief and loss, it's interpersonal. It's not just you as this sort of singular bounded person having all these emotions. It's in the context of relationship. I've always said when I've talked to others about grief and I've had an experience of grief in my own life is that grief is just a sign that it was important in a lot of ways because you don't grieve. You know, if I lose a paperclip in my office today, I'm not going to grieve it because it did, I got another one. So it's okay. Um, but if there's something, whatever it may be, it may not be important to anybody else, but if it's important to me and I feel that grief, it's because it's important. Um, and, and, it, and grieving affirms it. It really gives that voice to it that says, this is important, and, and to me it was important. Um, and we're going to touch on that in a minute when we talk about, how to, uh, about other people and how we, when we see people in grief. But um, Dr. Curry, you said something in, in our preparation that I thought was really interesting. You mentioned that if grief is, if, is, if grief is not acknowledged, it's like doubling your loss. Mm. Um, would you want to share a little more, or share with that what you meant by that? Sure, I, I think there is the original pain 
um, of losing something that's important to you and that you've invested part of yourself into. The word that's coming to my mind is attachment. And it could be attachment to a person in your life. It could be an attachment to a version of yourself. It could be an attachment to a pet, an idea, a goal, etc. So you have that initial loss, which hurts. And then there can be a secondary loss if your need for acknowledgement is denied. Denied entry. No, you cannot breathe. And so... Again, Again, the way way humans are built, I think, is that we develop a sense of reality in relation to other people who are meaningful and important to us. So if I lost my cat, I'm just making this up. I did lose my cat, but I'm making this up. If I lose my beloved pet and my brother tells me, oh, that was just a stupid cat anyway. Who cares? It was just a cat. That hurts. And so so my my own own experience of sadness about losing my beloved pet, that that is denied. And I'm like, well, then am I overreacting? Am I stupid for grieving? Is he right? Or am I right? And is he an idiot? You know, so then it just puts you in conflict with yourself or with the other person. But the point is your beloved pet has died and there's a process to acknowledging it for yourself and engaging others who can affirm your experience. That takes us right into the next stage. The next part of what I wanted to talk about is that we, we will almost all experience grief in some way. Uh, we will have grief in our lives at some point. We also will almost all be near somebody who is grieving or, or have a, a friend or a loved one or an acquaintance that we care about that's going through the grieving process. And sometimes it's just as hard to be that supportive person because you don't know what to do. You don't know how to be supportive. Um, because often with this, with this level of loss, there's no, there's no answer. Uh, let's go back to the pandemic. You know, uh, the, the high school students, I have a daughter who's now a junior um, who lost out on some things her, her sophomore year. I, I have friends who have seniors who lost out on graduation. There's no good answer. Everyone knows why, but then you get the question of why did this happen? Why does this happen now? Why does this happen to me? You know, what do I do? How do I, uh, or a, a job opportunity that went away because of it, or a job that just simply disappeared because with, without the social interaction, it just, you couldn't have that type of job. We talk about entertainers, um, you know, restaurant businesses, things like that. Um, there are no good answers. So in that, it's very hard to be supportive because you don't know what to say. Um, are there any tips, or is there any advice you can give on how to be, how to help support someone who's going through this process? It's a loaded question, I know. It's a big question. But I just think it's something that's really important for, especially the students here at UIUC, where you're probably going to run across somebody that you want to support, but you just don't know how. Well, I mean, the, the first and easiest answer is to ask them, talk to them. Okay, like, I know you're going through a rough patch right now. How can I help you? And support can, can come in so many different forms. It can be like just talking to them, hearing their story. It can be like, you know, making them dinners so they don't have to cook. It can be helping them with household chores. It can be any number of even little things. Um, but don't underestimate the importance of just being there and, and witnessing their pain. Uh, just bearing witness is huge. And it's also incredibly uncomfortable because you don't know 
what to do. You're feeling helpless. Nothing you can do or say is going to take away this pain or what happened to them. But just being there and sharing in the experience is so therapeutic. I would agree with everything you said. One of the things I heard, I can't remember where I read this. Maybe it was some op-ed or personal essay in a um, newspaper. But somebody was talking about their experience of grief. Um, and she was trying to help a friend. So her friend expressed her loss to the author. And the author immediately jumped into talking about her own loss. Now, when she lost someone and somebody did that to her, she realized, oh, maybe that wasn't so helpful in terms of, and it's a natural response to uh, empathically resonate with somebody else. If you have a loss, you're going to speak about your loss. What she said, what was so helpful is what Jennifer is talking about, that idea of being with, being present, and witnessing, acknowledging the other person's experience. You don't have to fix it. You cannot fix it. There's nothing to fix. You cannot go back in time and undo the loss, right? But to be present with somebody can be very powerful for them. But again, in the way that they want. You want it to be helpful help, not unhelpful help, right? And the idea of asking, what can I do for you, sometimes even being more specific in terms of, can I bring you some food? Can I walk your dog? Can I do your dishes? Can I call your parents? Can I, et cetera, et cetera. So real specific help can go a long way. The other thing I think that is helpful when you don't know what to do, there are conventions for expressing sympathy. And maybe people don't like to do that anymore, but if I write a condolence note, I will use the word condolence. And just, it may sound like a cliche to a lot of people, but there are words that you can use that can matter in expressing sympathy and condolence and support. Now, if you're a poet, go for it. If you're not a poet, it's okay. You know, pick up a card or just say the things that people sort of say that may feel like a cliche. It, what matters is the feeling behind it. And another thing not to, to, to be lost is that this grieving process, I mean, again, it, it takes time. And most of the time, the rush of support is immediate. Yes. And after, like, say, a week or two, that falls apart. But that person is still left with those feelings, that, that rawness. And so it's important not to forget these people who are grieving. Uh, remember that they're still there. They're still hurting. They could still use your support. Um, and so just to be there for them for the longer term, not just the immediate Grief. I think that's totally right on. Yeah. Well, and like you said, you know, it's different for everybody. The time is different for everybody. The situations are different for everybody. Um, I like what you said about the acknowledgement can be different um, from different cultures. Um, but that also goes just for people. Some people, uh, they have a loss. They may want a lot of people to gather and support them. Some may only want a handful. Yep. Um, so may not really want anybody. They may just want somebody to talk about it. Yeah, we want to talk about what it was that we lost. Some may just want to just sit quiet. Um, and, and it, it was so important, uh, Dr. Priest, what you said, ask. Um, just ask and, and be honest. And sometimes they'll say, I don't know, but the simple, the asking supports a lot. Now, the other thing with that, though, is sometimes it's hard to ask because sometimes somebody who is in that grieving process lashes out. Um, they can, they, and it's not because, it's not at the person, it's just out of their own pain. Um, they're lashing out. Um, and so, and so when you're supporting, you're supporting um, how, can you, how can you take care of your own 
mental health? How can you take care of your own needs in this um, and not and not get lost in the wash of trying to help someone else in their own grief or have their their grief uh, come out and, and manifest in a way that it, that it is anger or lashes out and goes out? If you're trying to support and that comes at you, how how do you handle that or how do you how do you keep your yourself and your center in the middle of that? So I think it's important to remember that if there is anger, like, you know, if the person lashes out, not to take it personally, it, it's not anything you did or said. Um, they're just hurting right now, and they don't know how to express that maybe appropriately. And so just accept it, forgive them, and still be there for them. Because uh, eventually they will calm down. They will feel bad about you know, yelling at you. They will probably apologize. Uh, so don't let that interfere with your ability to still be there as a support for that person. I, I would agree. And I, I think it's hard to do that, actually, um, especially if you are a sensitive soul and you want to be helpful and the other person refuses or rejects your help. It can be hard. Um, but to strive toward your own centeredness takes some work, um, but it can go a long way, for sure. And this, this is another opportunity to reach out to someone, a health professional, um, you know, to, to talk to somebody uh, that can help you navigate that as well. Um, it's not just reaching out to a, a mental health professional or, or, a, or any professional a health professional when you're hurting. It's also... Uh, when you're dealing with situations, you're trying to navigate through situations, um, whatever that may be. Um, so again, come back to, it's important to reach out uh, and, and talk to people. And that, that's, it's, it's so much more complicated than just a simple, well, this person's grieving, this person is not. Um, and there's so many uh, things that go into it, and it's important to talk to people about that. Uh, before we, before we uh, end this discussion here, and again, this is not the end all for anything. Uh, this is not, we've not touched every aspect of this by any stretch. Um, is, is, there, is there any other aspect of, of supporting or going through grief, especially when you're talking about the, the events of the last year and a half that we've had, that, that we, should, uh, we should let the listeners be aware of, or, or especially our student body here at University of Illinois? I guess I would say there's never a right or a wrong way to grieve. So however you're grieving, if that works for you, that's okay. Uh, don't feel like if your grief doesn't look like anybody else's grief that you're doing it wrong because we are a very judgmental society and we are very harsh on ourselves. Give yourself some grace. Give yourselves some rest. Take care of yourselves so that you can take care of others. What was your question again? <laughs> uh, question is, is there any just last thoughts before we close this um, on, okay. on grief and loss for students? I, as we were sitting here talking, I was imagining listeners um, and I was imagining maybe college student listeners who start to recognize oh what I experienced um, and not being able for example to attend college in person my first year and have not be able to meet friends in person like that was a loss um, and so my hope is that in listening to us today um, it starts to give some people some ideas or some language to think about grief, maybe, to acknowledge their own experiences. Um, but I would say that's just the beginning. I mean, I, I wish we could reach through the microphone and be there for people who might be experiencing grief. 
Um, but it's just the beginning, as I said, and then the next step is to engage um, in addressing whatever experiences you are struggling with, whether that's going to talk to a professional, psychiatrist, psychologist, mental health care person, engaging in some kind of practice or relationship building with other people. That takes time and that takes effort to engage and stay engaged. I think that's sort of the, the antidote to, in part, to that uh, cliff of depression that people can fall into sometimes. And taking that one step further, um, being able to remember that this may be a painful experience now, but down the road, this is part of what makes you you as a unique individual. And having had these experiences make you more well-rounded, more approachable, more empathetic, because you've had these painful experiences, so you can understand where somebody else might be coming from when they're going through those things. Yeah, yeah. It is so important to to have the conversation. That's why it's important for us to start this conversation with this podcast, to give people a voice if they, if they want it, uh, to reach out to us. And there's just so much that's involved there. And uh, I hope as you're listening that um, some of this has resonated, uh, whether it be something, oh yeah, I've experienced that and that makes more sense now, or that makes sense, I need to, I need to talk to somebody. Um, we invite you to be a part of that. But, um, Dr. Curry, Dr. LaPreeze, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate having the opportunity to talk to you about this. Thanks for having us. Thanks. It was fun to be here. Sure, you want me to elaborate on that or comment on that? Yeah. Okay. You want me to lead in? Yeah. Yeah. Sure, that makes sense, actually. Somebody could decide, I'm going to do a spinning class and hate it. You know, so. Right, okay. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing is spinning. I've never done it. I know people swear by it. Okay. Dr. Curry, uh, if you could elaborate a little bit, because you talked about uh, that it is in action. It's reaching out. It, it, it's it's important to take that that step, but one size doesn't fit all with that. And so, what? Uh, what if, I, what if I try something and it doesn't work for me? Is that, am, I, am I stuck? Let's hope not. So let's say you're struggling. Um, you've had a loss. You're dealing with grief. You feel like you're going down a rabbit hole, maybe, and you decide, you know what? I, I want to do something that will make myself feel better. So you sign up for an aerobics class, and you hate it. Don't do it, right? I happen to like the aerobic stuff, especially the yoga-based stuff. But if that's not your thing, there are other ways to engage. And when I talk about action, I'm not just talking about going out and running, although that has shown it's a great antidote to depression and anxiety. Action can also be sustained engagement with an activity such as talking to a therapist. That is sustained. It could be a sustained activity of, you know what, I need to play the piano. And I'm going to commit some time to doing that every day for my own 
well-being. So action is very broad, but the important thing is that you try to sustain it. For me, also, I think action in relation with others. You know, I, I, I tend to really believe that our, our mental health is dependent on relational contexts. Even for those of us who are super introverted, okay, we still need people. So that's a bias I have. I think that covers what you're thinking? Okay. Cool. All right, I'll do my outro real quick and we'll be good. This was fun. I was really skeptical. <laughs> this has been fantastic. Yeah. It's important to try and, and acknowledge grief. Uh, where the, whether we're going through it personally, going through it right now, or it's something that we've gone through uh, at some point prior, or we're, we're somebody who's supporting someone else who's going through the grieving process. Talking about it, acknowledging it in, in some way makes a huge difference. So I'm, I'm grateful you've listened today, but I'd, I'd love the chance to continue the conversation with you or put you in contact with someone else to do, do just that. You can find resources and contact information in our podcast description and also our episode descriptions. Thank you for joining us today. You are on a personal journey no matter where you are in it. You are important and you matter. Your health and wellness are important and matter. And we are here to keep you well to excel. So go have a great week. Let us know how you're doing. And we'll catch you next time on Healthy Illini. And there we go. Cool. Anything we want to read? We're good? We're good? I'm good. I'll defer to the two of you. You guys are fantastic.